Hi, I'm Erica Darvis. Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at Podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter. And then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going. Cheers. Cheers. Let's talk podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Podcast Rewind, episode number 46 with your hosts, Erica Jarvis and Amy Randolph, back on the mic for another deep dive. Hello. Yes. Um, hi. Hi. I'm flying super blind. (laughs) I left my podcast notes on my desk at work like a fool. (laughs) So I like, you get ready for some eye contact. I'm going to be just talking to you, man. (laughs) I've got some things in mind to say, but I mean, this is a, this is a very improv, like improv show we're about to do. We talk about improv on this podcast all of the time, and now you are really going for it. Unless the universe this. Yeah. Oh, you know what, Amy, before we get started, I just wanted to say one thing to you. Mm-hmm. Bless you. Um, as you were leaving the apartment this morning, I was doing my makeup, and I heard you let out a sneeze, and like, as I was doing my makeup, I was like, bless you, and I was like, what if I had shouted that out? You just heard a little, bless you. That was a loud one, too. I recall that sneeze. <laughs> It was like, it rocked me. <laughs> it was loud. It was large and in charge. It sounded like you took a minute and then left. <laughs> I heard you. I was like cracking up. Well, I think I had a snot rocket. So I think I had to stop and clean myself up a minute there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a big one. So you started your day off on a high note. <laughs> Just got hired. It was a day. Not a bad day. Good day. Intense yeah. day. Yes. No more sneezing. That was the one. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are halfway through this month and it feels like it is flying by. No kidding, right? Yeah. I commented on how it was getting darker out tonight a little earlier, which makes me so excited. I love daylight saving time. and cannot wait for it. I heard someone say the other day, you know, like, oh, this is going to take 12 to 14 weeks. And so that'll put us in next year before it's ready. And I was like, holy what? shit. I stopped. I was like, yeah, there's like 10 weeks left of 2018. That's it. I just got like a major pit in my stomach hearing that. We used up like 40 weeks of this freaking year already. We could have had a baby. <laughs> we did. It was called Podcast Rewind. <laughs> we had a podcast baby. We did. So funny. Well, I know you don't have your notebook or anything, but nope. you definitely have one thing in front of you. And that's all that matters. I prepared one thing. And cheers. cheers. That is my drink of the week. I'm having one of my favorite Pinot Grigio's cupcake. Oh, yeah. I love this wine. I'm sure I've had it on the show before. I am drinking um, a Big Deal Lager from Darwin Brewing Co. Yes. So I got this the other day when we were at Lucky's Market, which just opened here in Orlando, nearby where we live, and it was busy. It was busy. It's it's a different kind of grocery shopping experience. The jury is out for me. Yeah. I mean, it does have one plus in its column. Yeah, you can drink. You can drink there's while a bar. you shop. If you've never been to a Lucky's, there's a bar like in the beginning of the store, and they even give you a little cup holder for your cart. So Which you I love. Can sip and shop. Yeah, and I mean, I got a beer for $2. Like, hell yeah. Like a pint. Like, you really can't beat that. No, not bad at all. You know what? I think it's a, like they said, it's like the organic for the other 99%. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the opposite of Whole Foods. But Whole Foods also has a bar in it. And I have known a person or two in my life. That has gone to Whole Foods for happy hour. And I was like, doesn't that really? Doesn't that make you want to like shop and buy an oil or something like that when you're done or a really expensive stinky cheese if you're drinking in Whole Foods? Exactly. Wait, so, but they don't really want you to take your wine around the store. They just want you to sit at like a bar. Yeah. Have you ever seen it at our Whole Foods? There's I've been to our Whole Foods like twice. Got it. I'm not a Whole Foods fan. Yeah. It's near one of my offices. So sometimes it's like an easy place to go, like, get a salad bar kind of situation sure. and by the way if you have an amazon account some items are discounted for amazon prime members yeah because they just bought whole foods yeah which is kind of awesome but no there's like a full bar like okay. beer wine appies which i'm assuming is like a hummus and a cheese and an olive for like 18 dollars. oh yeah right i have seen their little bar of tapenade and it's like oh do you want these mixed olives that'll be 16 dollars, please <laughs> No, what? I'll go buy four cans of olives from Publix and mix, mix them. them up. Come yes. on now. So funny. 
Well, Amy, should we talk about what we're obsessed with this week? I think we definitely should. Do you want to go first? Yeah. So um, this happens in my life once every few years. Okay. I get a bug and I decide (laughs) I'm going to do an art and craft. This is very rare for Erica. In fact, if you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you know by now that our little Erica... She's a whiz on the computer, but when it comes to the hand, I create a craft. It's her gap. It's a massive gap, like pen to paper. It's like a Jackson Pollock. Like, things are not good for me. Um, I've got scars when I've tried them in the past. Um, I painted pumpkins once and just, like, called it a day. I painted a pumpkin and put polka dots on it. Brought it outside our door. I for didn't like, want to let my art Well past Christmas. I didn't want my arts and crafts to go. No, you were <laughs> really emotionally really attached. That might be the last project I saw you do. Yeah. And so the most recent one has been, I wanted to utilize the extra wine cork we may have around the apartment and utilize them and make a wreath for our front door. Mm-hmm. We had a really great wreath a couple years ago and somehow... A family of mosquitoes moved in and ruined our lives for a while. You couldn't come or go without, like, swatting in well, or out of the apartment. Right. They got in the house. Yes. It was a mess. Oh, it was terrible. So I thought, you know, we've got a few corks. Let mm-hmm. me see what I can do. And I found something on Pinterest. And you thankfully went to Michael's with me and helped me navigate. Though, I mean, I truly do understand how to navigate a Michael's. And my mom is crazy good with arts and crafts and quilting. So I'm a massive disappointment to her in that world. But um, I spent majority of the day, the other day, working on this cork wreath, which still needs some major love <laughs> and zhuzhing. And, like, my little glue gun finger is still sore today. Like, typing yeah. emails, I was like, ow. Arts and crafts hurt, man. Yeah. I am a natural-born crafter. You and are. I get into yarn work. I, I crochet. And yet sometimes... But it's absolutely true. Like, the aches in the forearms, the carpet yeah. tunnel, the finger ache. I mean, it's a labor of love. It, yeah. I mean, it was a labor of love to get all of the corks. <laughs> so now I figured, you know, I might as well use them. So I got some more glue sticks today. And over the weekend, I plan on re-attempting this again. Just, you know, fill in the nooks and crannies. Because when you come up to our apartment door... There are like five corks on the ground at any yeah. given time. They're not sticking. But look, I give you props. It looks like a wreath. It doesn't <laughs> look like a kindergartner did it. Thank you. It also looks like, um, come on into our alcoholic <laughs> lair. But I guess we just be true to who we are. It's true to form. Why lie to the world? Right. They know when we put out the garbage at night, it goes clank, 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 clank. <laughs> Tell people we recycle. What's wrong with you? Sorry. We recycle. We, recycle. we would if we could. Okay, let's not go there. Yeah. I am obsessed this yes. week. Are you good? Yeah, I, think good we're, I think I'm good on arts and crafts. <laughs> okay, I'm obsessed this week with the royal family news. Yeah. A couple of bangers, so we'll do it in order. Princess Eugenie pulled off a royal wedding, like, quietly, kind of, I mean, I knew it was coming because yeah. I pay attention, but she had a star-studded affair, yeah. and she looked phenomenal. She really did. People on the internet are even whispering she looked better than either Kate or Megan on her wedding day. Well, I think also part of that is because she is innately a princess, and that is coming from within. And I think I said that the other day, not to take credit for it, but it's true. I mean, these Megan and Kate were marrying princes, yay them, but... You know, she just does have that pedigree mm-hmm. and that lifetime training for this moment, her moment, to be a bride. And yeah. she looked amazing. She really did. That then second dress. They waited an entire 48 hours for her <laughs> to have her glow before the palace announced that Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan are expecting their first child. So congratulations, a royal baby is coming! Uh, did you see on the internet some people doing, like, mashups and, like, this baby could be great uh, yeah, or not great? Yeah. I mean, anytime like, a fair-haired ginger and a woman of ethnicity procreates, it really goes one or two ways. Yeah. It's, you know, real bad or just a, an amazing-looking human. Yeah. Um, Fingers crossed for the latter of the two. Exactly. And, of course, we're hoping them all the best. Mostly we're hoping that it's a happy, healthy baby. Yes. But, I mean, how funny is it that everyone must have known she's pregnant. I mean, it must have been shush-shush in the palace for, like, two weeks now. And everyone's like, give Eugenie her fucking moment. Yeah. 
48 hours later, now it's fine to uh-huh. announce Megan is pregnant. And there have been, obviously, so many rumors. There's always royal pregnancy rumors. Yeah. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, she stepped out in this, like, gorgeous blue dress, and it had a big ruffle on the front. Yeah. And everyone's like, look, she's hiding a baby bump. And the next day, she showed up in, like, a, you know, really tight suit. Yeah. Like, shut up. But maybe she was feeling a little bloaty that day because she is with child. And so if they've announced, you have to imagine she's in her second trimester. Yeah. They only got married five months ago, so they went to work and good on them. They really, really did. Um, Congratulations to them. Congratulations to everybody who really is interested in the royal baby. I'm happy for all of you. I am. I told you congrats. I told my friend Cam first thing in the morning, (laughs) congratulations. I know this means a lot to you. The baby is coming. The baby is coming. So funny. All right. So, so let's, speaking of royal news royalty. and magic and belief, um, we're going to have a discussion this week about kind of princesses. Yeah. Um, and basically fairy tales. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've talked a lot about being zennials, and I think that the first thing I think of when I think of fairy tales and princesses is The Little Mermaid, the first movie I ever absolutely. saw in theaters, and how much those stories matter to us as little girls. And it really shaped us mm-hmm. and how it really infiltrated the pool when all girls were flipping their hair back, trying to be like the Little Mermaid. Absolutely. I think that all of us, Xennials especially, even the older millennials, grew up watching our clamshell-cased yeah. VHSs of of the classic Disney movies, um, and most of them are princess-based. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rapunzel, well, Rapunzel came out later, excuse me, yeah. but Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Cinderella... And, and then, of course, things with Disney animation, you know, in the, like, kind of late 60s, early 70s, got a lot more, like, psychedelic. Mm-hmm. We got things like The Sword in the Stone, which Alice is obviously a fairy tale, but yeah. And then in the 90s, we had this awesome resurgence yeah. when we were, I mean, we were old enough to have watched those movies on VHS, but then in the theaters came The Little Mermaid. Yes. And, I mean, it was a huge revival. I believe that was my first movie I ever mm-hmm. saw in a, in a theater. I would say a majority of my girlfriends remember that as their first movie-going experience. Because if you think of it, it came out in, like, 89. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, probably just old enough to not be too ADD and our mom to not worry too much and get a little booster seat, sit mm-hmm. up and actually see a movie. I mean, it was such a huge moment. Yeah, you know, and a lot has kind of been said now about parenting and princess movies, but they're making all the, they're even kind of redoing the princesses to be a lot more formidable and, you know, carry your own weight as a female. Yeah. But I think we, I mean, we all just dreamed, we all played one of those parts in our dress up times when we were little. Princesses obviously took hold on so many of us as little girls. Yeah. You know, what's so funny that you mentioned how things are taking a shift and so we're going to go through a handful of different stories that, mm-hmm. you know, were new so much back then and kind of do a d- different deep dive. But I would say maybe just today or yesterday, Kira Knightley was on Ellen and said she doesn't let her daughter watch a lot of Disney fairy tale movies, mm-hmm. um, mainly There's due to, yeah, like mainly due to the fact that these women are waiting to be saved. Though she did say... The Little Mermaid is her favorite movie, and she's having a hard time not letting her daughter do that because she doesn't think you should give up your voice for a man. Was, yeah. You know, and as you get older, you do kind of look back. I mean, I still stand by the fact that Mulan is so great because bitch saved a country. Or, yeah. Yeah. You've always been a massive fan oh, of the yeah. Mulan. I'm, I still stand by the fact that I'll Make a Man Out of You by Donny Osmond <laughs> <laughs> is a sing-in-the-car banger. You love it. I, I know do. you do. Yes. But we all grew up with those princesses, and then getting a little bit older, you realize that Disney didn't make up this story, (laughs) that all of those stories existed as fairy tales for hundreds of years prior to the film being animated. But you also, if you learn the real stories, the Grimm's Tales and the Hans Christian Andersen's, um, they're a little darker. They're a lot darker. They're kind of disturbing, but they was were, those were told to the children of those years. Yeah. Growing up, I think, as fables uh-huh. and as storytelling rather than... Inter- I mean, storytelling for, like, learning sake. Yes. Rather than pure entertainment. Mm-hmm. But we thought it would be fun on the pod today to do some of that compare and contrast. Yeah. What is the original fairy tale... And what did Disney make of it? (laughs) How did Disney... Disney buy it. Yeah, a little uh, pixie dust, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so 
I mean, I'll go first. Yes. So we're going to do this kind of like, if you've been a long-time listener and you remember when Eric and I were doing our just podcast recap format, we told each other stories. Yeah. So we're going to develop or not, we're going to retake that yes. a little bit here. So let me tell you what I learned about the Grimm's Tale Cinderella. All right. Okay. So obviously, let's all, let's continue this conversation just assuming that everyone listening has seen the Disney movie. Yes. Right? Because they have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the actual fairy tale, and let me tell you where I heard this stuff. For I use podcasts, of yes. course. So I found a really awesome podcast that I can't wait to listen to more of their episodes. It's called The Sisters Grim. I love that. Uh-huh, and it's these two sisters that are just kind of all things noir. Uh-huh. Like, they have some of their episodes where they deep dive into horror movies that are really uh-huh. popular. I'm sure they're going to be getting into the new Halloween mm-hmm. that's coming up. They do some true crime deep dives of, like, you know, really famous killer cases. And then they have this four-part series called The Brothers Grimm. And I do also have to say that they have one of the most awesome podcast opening, like, um, things ever. I'll, I'll play it for you later. It's so cool. It's like a mashup of different horror movies and scary music and yes. then like some bright stuff. It's really, really good. Um, but they did in their first part of the Brothers Grimm, they told a lot of, they told Snow White, Cinderella, and a little bit of Sleeping Beauty. Okay. But I really learned about Cinderella. I mean, then, these are classics. Classic stories. Um, then I found another podcast called Jay's Fairy Tales, uh-huh. and it's a bro named Jay, like, regurgitating to you the, the grim fairy tale in, um, you know, more modern language, maybe some salty language. Yes. So it's not a way to teach it to your kids, and his pods are all, like, seven to nine minutes long. Like, he busts through it. Okay, cool. He also did, from what I saw, all of his episodes were released in 2015 and 2016, so I think he got through his catalog and put that away. Yeah. But um, Sisters Grimm and Jay's Fairy Tale are where I got my info. Awesome. So, in the original tale of Cinderella, Cinderella has uh, a mother and a father, but her mother dies young and she's brokenhearted. Her mother is buried actually on their property. Oh. And then her dad remarries. And this is where we get the evil stepmother and the stepsisters. Okay. So in the tale, the stepsisters are actually said to have been beautiful, but ugly on the inside. Ugly hearts. They were mean. They were nasty. And they did force Cinderella to, like, work for them as an intern slave. She was grubby. She wasn't allowed new clothes. She was dirty because she literally was in the soot all the time. And dad sounds like not great because he just (laughs) let this happen. Well, one day, Cinderella's father is going on, like, a work trip and says to all of the women in the house, like, what can, I'm going to get you a present when I go. What do you want me to bring back? And, of course, the stepsister and the stepmother, stepsisters and stepmother, ask for very extravagant, beautiful gifts. And Cinderella, who still loves her father, regardless of how he's allowing <laughs> her, these dirt people to treat her, is... Like, Father, all I want is the first branch that tipped upon your hat or something. So, like, she asked for something really simple. She probably knows she's not getting a fucking jewelry necklace anyway. Yeah. So just go simple, Cindy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she, so she asks for that, and he brings it back to her. And she takes it out, and she puts it over her mother's grave and, like, cries over it so much. It waters the branch, and it grows into a tree. Got it. Now, this, like, family of birds move into the tree, and they kind of befriend Cinderella. Which, now, that, I can see how that came into the Disney movie. Yeah, that's sounds Cinderella like had all of her birdie and mice friends. Yes. And she saved them all from, like, Gus, the... Gus. Yeah, we got Gus, 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 Gus. Um, so... The, the the family of birds kind of, like, watch over her, and they kind of talk to her. Mm-hmm. Again, like, kind of in the movie. Then skip ahead to the teenage years. The prince of their kingdom, it is time for him to get married, a lot like the movie. But instead of a one-night ball where he's got to pick a bride, the king throws him a three-day ball. And all of the women of the kingdom are required to attend. Okay. So the stepsisters are getting ready. Again, that's pretty close to the movie. Yeah. And they tell Cinderella, you can't go. You don't have a dress. So she's crying, and um, they make her clean out this whole, like, dirty lentil thing. And they say, if you do that, and you get yourself cleaned up after that, you can go to the ball. Kind of, remember, she had to do all those chores, and the uh-huh. movie, she had to do all the laundry, yep. all of the stuff, and then she could go. Well, at the last minute, they said, sorry, you got all that done, but you still don't have a dress. You're a dirty scum, and you can't go. So they leave without her. 
And she goes back to the garden and cries, just like in the movie. But instead of a fairy godmother coming, her bird friends have magically put together a beautiful dress of gold and silver and shoes for her. So she cleans up, she goes to the ball, and she is unrecognized. Mm -hmm. And the prince does see her and fall madly in love with her. So we're staying close to the movie. Yeah, staying close to the movie. And... He won't let anybody else. He seems kind of stalkery, which yep. I guess he even is in the movie. He won't let anybody else dance with her. She won't. He won't let her leave his side. And then she kind of, I think, gets a little freaked out. Maybe a little stranger danger. A little yeah. hashtag me too. <laughs> and she tr- she escapes and runs away at the end of the night. But he he sees her and he chases her. Okay. So she runs all the way home and hides in the backyard in the pigeon coop in the back. <laughs> and the prince runs up to the house where the father is home, waiting for all the girls to yeah. get back. And it's like, my date is in your pigeon coop. And the father, for some unknown reason, is like, danger! And he (laughs) smashes the pigeon coop to bits. But Cinderella gets out and she's fine. Okay, so she's not in it. She's not. She had, like, snuck out before. Like, he got to her with the axe. Okay. I think the father's slightly deranged in this version. Sounds like it. Yeah, because in the movie, obviously, they just kill him. And she's left with the stepmother and sisters. So then she goes back to the second night of the ball. The same thing happens, but she manages to get away from the prince again, uh-huh. and she climbs a tree in her backyard to escape. Okay. And her dad comes and chops down the tree. Again, he's she's one fine. with this axe. He's just not a great decision maker. No. I'm thinking, yeah. like, maybe some therapy for Cindy's dad. Oh, someone's in my tree. Fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what the heck? So on the third night, the prince is anticipating Cinderella to come back. Yeah. And he doesn't want her to get away again. So he pours tar all over the entrance to the castle so she can't get away very quickly. Jeez. So they dance again all night, and she's wearing an even more elaborate dress. The birds have come up with something even better for her and a pair of golden shoes. Ah. Oh. Uh, so she runs away again at the end of the ball because stranger danger. And one of her shoes gets stuck in the tar, but she does manage to get away and to get home. So again, just like in the movie, now he has the beautiful slipper and he just needs to find the maid whose foot it fits. Yep. And he has found his wife. The only thing that's different is, like, in the movie, right, she had to get home before the spell was broken and he found out she was trashed. Yeah. In the story, it feels like she doesn't really want him. Yeah. I don't know why she wanted to go to the ball so bad. I guess just who doesn't want to go to the ball, right? Or something fancy. So she's at home and she's locked away and he's going around to all the houses, like, making all the ladies try on the slipper. The prince actually goes, though. He doesn't send the duke, like, in the movie. Remember that? Yep. So he gets to Cinderella's house. And the stepmother is like, oh, I have two daughters, not three. Try on, try on the shoe, girls. So the first stepsister puts her foot into the shoe, and it's too big. So before the prince can see, the stepmother grabs her and hands her a knife and says, whack off your toe. Make that food, uh, foot, foot fit shoe. <laughs> so she does. She whacks her toe off. She's oh. bleeding out, shoves her foot into the shoe, still not Fitting. Yes. So, all right, give up on you. You're deformed. Sorry about it. The other sister goes to try on the shoe, and her foot also doesn't fit. So the mother has a great idea to try a new tactic. Hey, cut off your heel. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Like, come on. God. Achilles tendon. Yeah. Ouchie, pouchie, right? So this bloody fucking shoe still doesn't fit the second sister. And he doesn't stop to clean it out. He demands that there must be another girl. Somehow Cinderella is found out to be in the house. Because he's been in that house a couple of times now. She comes out and puts the bloody shoe on. And it fits. So now she marries him. And evidently she's happy about it now. So on their wedding day, the stepmother and the stepsisters are going to kind of heckle at the wedding. Yes. And that family of birds who have been so good and kind and magical to Cinderella follow behind, and peck out all their eyes. <laughs> so they are severely deformed for many different ways. And then Cinderella and the prince go on to live happily ever after. Oh, my God. Right? A little different. So totally different. I mean, a little funnier. A yeah. little sadder. <laughs> a lot sadder. I mean, she didn't want to be with this guy, but yet she still marries him? I, I guess in those times, the prince says we're getting married. There's no, like, oh, no thanks. Yeah. I guess that's just what you do. So... Um, is she like, oh, do I have to clean this castle too? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you would think that, I mean, that's kind of in the movie. Like, of course, Cinderella, everyone wants to marry the prince. And of course you want to stop and clean up after your nasty ass step family. So for whatever reason, I guess she's convinced this is a better idea than she thought. Maybe when she gets into the palace, like, oh, I can sleep in this nice bed. Yeah. uh, People don't make me sweep up after them. Maybe this isn't so bad. Um, question for you. Yes. 
does this, I'm trying to think if this sounds anything like the Drew Barrymore Ever Ever After. after. Because Dad's not alive in that one either, right? Dad goes off and does die. Right, so that's like the Disney So we're movies. always doing that. Disney's always going to yeah. like whack a parent. Ever After was so weird though, because like Leonardo da Vinci was, was in it. it. But it was also so amazing at the same time. Yes. Such a good movie. Beautiful movie. I mean, there have been so many movie takes on Cinderella. Yes. Hillary Duff, who <laughs> we talked about last week, was in a version. They've yes. done oh, so Oh, Selena Gomez was in one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, hope rehab's going well, Selena. Oh, um, good luck with that, babe. <laughs> well... So that is definitely an older Disney princess movie. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you a little bit about a princess that's a little bit more recent in the last like 10 years, I would say. Yeah. Rapunzel. Mm-hmm. From the movie Tangled. From the movie Tangled. Also from four other versions. So this story, fairy tale, goes back to like the 1600s. Mm-hmm. And they think it might even go back to the 15, 1400s. Okay. They just don't have major recollections of that. But in timestamp, the they did not timestamp it. So, an Italian tale, Petrosinella, came out Ooh. in 1634. Yeah, bear with me on some of these words. And then in 1698, a French version of the story, Personat, was published. And then in 1790, Friedrich Schultz wrote Rapunzel. But the Grimm's got their version, their hands on it, <laughs> on 1812. So, so we really can't be mad at Disney for retelling these stories because <laughs> everyone's just like, I heard something like that. I'm going to take it make it mine. Right? Exactly. And there's all new, different little things. So I've actually got a lot of information um, from the podcast, the Disney Story Origins podcast. So these are long podcasts. And so, um, I mean, I think this one that I listened to about Rap- Rapunzel, it was called Tangled. It was the ninth podcast. Um it's like 179 minutes or something. Like it's a commitment. It's a commitment, but it is. It's a long. (laughs) Gotta get a tight eight and a good breakfast in before you start it. However, so informative. Okay. The host really takes his time to educate himself on all different versions and then the Disney version. And then there's clips in of movies, songs, all this sort of stuff that go along with this one. So do you think he's actually affiliated with the Disney company somehow and got access to those? Or is he just under the radar hoping not to get caught using their licensed material? I feel like the latter of the two. I don't know. Like, at what point in time does a movie become available? Public domain? Public domain. Um, well, Disney, remember, upped the um, rights for oh, Mickey Mouse. Oh, we did the whole did. copyright bit. Yeah. Disney like did, to, yeah. Because it was... 20 or 30 years, and we got it to 100 years. Yep. Mickey's turning 90 this year, so we'll see what happens in 10 more years. Oh, yeah. Um, but, no, things don't become public domain for quite a while. Oh, okay. That was a really great episode of Adam Ruins Everything, where they talked about all of that kind uh-huh. of stuff. I public highly domain. recommend checking that one out. That's television. That's, that's television. But a I, podcast. Still great. What is that on? It's not TV? a sponsored ad. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And then also, I think you could just YouTube. <laughs> that. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, Basically, the plot of Rapunzel is a lonely couple who is trying to have a child, just not very well off, not um, kings or queens or anything. Mm -hmm. Mom is pregnant and just, like, super hungry. Looks over a wall and sees in a witch's garden Rapunzel growing. And Rapunzel is the American version of Petrosinella and Personette, which means parsley. So the mom sees parsley. Yeah, the mom sees parsley in the garden and is like, gotta have it. Because she so, doesn't know about mac and cheese. <laughs> don't think they had that back then. <laughs> yeah. This they pregnant lady's like, oh my god, I have to have a salad. Oh my god, blue box. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, her husband jumps the like garden wall. Uh-huh. And in most of these stories, the like witch is always like Dame Gothel. So basically, she catches him stealing parsley for his wife. And she was like, all right, thief. I won't turn you in, but I want your baby. Like, I don't know. Like, that's... The baby is always collateral. Anarchy, anarchy, man. Like, Like, you don't hear, like, in these stories, like, I'm going to kill you or give me my baby. She's like, thief. All right, you can have parsley, but I got to have your baby. And he's always like, yeah, okay, works for me. Or the value of life is just not the same. Because I get parsley for a buck at Publix. (laughs) 50 cents for cilantro at Lucky's Market (laughs) yesterday. They really had me on that deal alone. But so basically, Dame Gothel or the witch in all of these stories takes a child in return for Dad's stealing parsley, and when um, and she ends up naming the child Rapunzel, 
kind of, or personella or personette as Never a version. screw you mom. I'm naming your kid parsley in honor of you stealing it all the time and just to make you feel bad. And so locks Rapunzel up in a tower and is always known as the most beautiful girl in the world. And there are so many different stories throughout here of how she meets her prince. Maybe he's walking by and hears her singing and is like, who is that? And other ones are he catches the witch saying, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your golden hair. And then he's like, what's going on up there? And kind of does the same thing. But what I wanted to do, like I said, there are so many versions, is really go through the Brother Grimm version. Yes. And then idea. kind of take it against what Dizzy did. So we can see those differences. Great. So in Brothers Grimm, the mom is so sick it leads to the theft of parsley. But Disney, the mom who is the queen of their kingdom, and I believe it's Corona, is quite ill, and they send out everybody in the land to find this special flower that will heal her. Right. Mother Gothel, the witch in town, has been hiding this flower because if she sings to it, she can get her youth back. So she does it to stay young. And then, um, so those are like the two differences. Like mom steals, she's still stealing, I guess, from the queen, like the uh, witch. She's been using it for a long time, but it's mm-hmm. kind of out there in the world. She can go steal that flower. So then um, another difference is that Rapunzel is given to the witch as a, sorry for eating your plants. But in Disney, Mother Gothel climbs the tower or the, the castle. castle, breaks into Rapunzel's room sings to her and realizes that her hair glows. She can get the same thing from the hair that she did from the flower. Ends up snipping a piece of hair, and it goes brown. It dies. So it doesn't have any magic. So what do you do? Steal the baby. Steal the baby, obviously. So then... um, Clear choice. (laughs) Clear choice. (laughs) So in the Disney movie, um, and what I will say that he talks about a lot in the podcast is that it is kind of known that Mother Gothel in the Disney movie might just be the worst Disney villain of all time. Now, seems lovely. She's caring for, you know, this girl that she's raising to be her daughter. But the true emotional and mental abuse that they put her through. Yeah, no, she's like not leave the tower. And how it's just like, I mean, if you're watching it as a kid, she's singing that Mother Knows Best song. You're like, what a great little song. And then as an adult, you're like, oh, my God. Like, this is not okay. Yeah, she's always emotionally abusing her to stay with her. Exactly. It's like a weird romantic relationship. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It's almost like I'd rather be tortured, I guess, than, like, emotionally abused. So then um, a major difference from the Disney movie is that Flynn Rider kind of climbs the tower. He's running from the kingdom He's got, a, bou- He's got, got a, a bounty on his head. So he finds his tower and just, like, kind of climbs it up. Rapunzel, never seen a man before, like, beats him with her frying pan. So funny. And that's their meat cute. But in Brothers Grimm, the prince does happen to walk by and see this girl with hair and climbs up the tower. And she's also never seen a man before. And he kind of sweet talks her and is like, hey, you know, what's going on up here? Like, you're really pretty. And she immediately falls in love with him. And after some sweet talk, they start having booty calls every night. Hell yeah. But he climbs her hair, right? Climbs her hair. And so... What is it in the fairy tale that makes her hair so long? She just has never been to the salon? Yeah. Okay. There's no magic for it. It's so that the witch can always climb up to the tower. So she just forced her to grow her hair long. Correct. And she's next door to her real parents this whole time? Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Isn't it, though? That's pretty fucked up. Sorry, quick drink break. But, um, so the witch comes up during the day, and then, um... At night is when the prince comes up for a booty call. And who is a true prince? Mm-hmm. She is not of any royalty. Unlike yeah. a Disney where it's the flip-flop. She's not getting no sleep either. No, she's really not. <laughs> well, she's also not very smart. In all of these books, it comes out that Rapunzel, just like not one with the smarts. And like, why would she? She's never been to school. True. She's never taught anything. So, and the Brothers Grimm's Punzi gets <laughs> knocked up. And doesn't realize she's pregnant. Because how, again, would she know? Until one night she asks the witch, why are my clothes getting so tight? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, honey. And then um, kind of has a dead giveaway that something's been going on. In another version of this, she gives it away by asking the witch, why why aren't you as heavy as the man that I pull up every day? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, girlfriend. (laughs) Keep your shit on the DL. She doesn't have friends. She's not great socially. So anyway, she basically gives away that she's not smart and And she's super pregnant. 
So again, with and Disney, probably this, sixteen, she belongs on MTV. She really, pregnant. she really does. So again, with Disney, this is not a plot line whatsoever. No, no. she's plot got line. Flynn Rider in her tower and has her crown that he has stolen from her parents that she has no idea about, and is like, "Hey, I hid that. You can have it back after you take me to go see the floating lights." And if you return me, I will give you back whatever this is. No sexy times whatsoever in this movie. Mm-mm. So then, in the Brothers Grimm's, the witch finds out that she's pregnant and throws her out of the tower, and she's forced to live in the desert, where she then gives birth to twins. Again, I mean, like, maybe there's, like, a flirty eye glance in the Disney movie between <laughs> Rapunzel and Flynn Rider, but there is most certainly none of this. No. So then um, the prince comes back to the tower a couple days later for his sexy time, calls out for Rapunzel to let down her hair and the brothers Grimm's. He climbs the long braid and is faced with the witch. Because before she kicked out Rapunzel, she chopped her hair. hair off. The prince, so freaked out, decides to commit suicide, jumps oh. out the tower, but lands like face first in some thorns and becomes blind but survives the fall. I'm remembering this now. Okay, yeah. I'm so excited. So then, um, in the Disney movie, we do have a point in time where they, um, Flynn and Rapunzel are back in the tower. Mother Gothel is there. And somehow, I think she stabs Flynn with, like, a mirror or, like, a... Uh, the mother does. The yeah. mother does. Yeah. yeah, she does. So we do know in the Disney movie, we are starting to get to a point where... Her quote-unquote prince is now injured. So we're starting to kind of align back up again with the Brothers Grimm. Okay. So then what happens is Rapunzel is out in the desert. She's had these twins just trying to live her life with her short hair. And she sees her prince just like wandering, crying and like calling out for his love. So she finds him, kind of like takes care of him. And she's so happy to see him again. She starts crying. And her tears have magical powers and cure him. And he has his sight back and he takes her home back to his kingdom with these two kids that they found out (laughs) found randomly and they live happily ever after. Now with Disney, this is where it does start to clip up again. Mm -hmm. Flynn trying to save Rapunzel chops off her hair. So that way mother Gothel won't have a need for her anymore. Right. Won't chase her anymore. Exactly. And so Rapunzel is so sad as Flynn is dying she starts crying and singing her little flower bloom and glow song, and her tear drops onto Flynn's cheek, and he's saved. That's so right. We've got that whole tear thing back again. And the best part about this one is she takes him home to her kingdom, where she then realizes she's the princess, and she saves him, and it's so adorable, but no babies. No babies. No babies. I do love that ending that, you know, she saves the day. Uh-huh. And that she's the natural born princess. Yeah. And I remember that hug from the movie. Like, oh, my God. Her parents are so me every happy time. to have their princess back. It's so good. But I also loved that even way back in the day with the Brothers Grimm, she was the one that saved him eventually, too. That is good job, Hunzi. Yeah, get a girl. You do, you sweetheart. There was and no Pascal, though. Birth in the desert with a couple of twins when you've never been outside one room before. <laughs> you figured it out, sister. <laughs> Claps. A little roof stoof, but she figured it out. Okay, so we started talking this this conversation yeah. about The Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. and I would love to tell you the Hans Christian Andersen version yes. that I listened to today about The Little Mermaid. Yes. So, okay, you guys, I, like I said, I've been going blind. I don't have my <laughs> notes. It's all from memory. Bear with me. And I did listen to a three-part podcast of the full reading of the story. Wow. And it was quite long. It was... Um, like three 30 minute sections. So about okay. 90 minutes for the whole story. So I will, um, I will, sum- I will summarize. Um, the Hans Christian Andersen version takes place in Denmark. Well, he was Danish. So it basically is, it takes place in Denmark in yeah. the, in the ocean there. Um, they never use names. So obviously we know in the Disney movie, it's princess Ariel, Prince Eric, King Triton, um, in the in the in the fairy tale, there are no Sebastian the Crab what? or Flounder the Fish. She actually has no friends or kind of guidance in any sort of way in the in the uh, fairy tale, except for kind of at the end, her older sister is getting involved. Uh-huh. So she just is referred to as the Little Mermaid the whole time. And I will say, like, I was 
I was really taken with this story. I was almost brought to tears at the mm-hmm. end. It's, again, a lot more grim than yeah. the Disney version, but it's also just achingly beautiful. Uh-huh. So she's a young mermaid. She is the daughter of the Sea King, and her grandmother, the Sea Queen Mother, if you will, is still alive, and she's really the guidance. Mm-hmm. So the Little Mermaid is the youngest of six Mer sisters. Um, she's always been the quietest and always kind of withdrawn from everybody, though she does have the most beautiful singing voice in all of the undersea world. So she's always taken to gardening. She has this garden of red flowers that she loves, Aww. and she's become very curious about the earth side because she can tell that there's plants and things going on up there, and she really wants to know about it. She has this general curiosity also, there has sunk to the bottom of the ocean at one point a statue of a, a young man, a beautiful young man, that she really obsesses over and stares at, which is such an iconic, you know, thing that you see in the movie when that Prince Eric statue yes. falls into and she drags it into her grotto and then she's singing to it, oh. part of your world. Um, Give us a few bars. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I sang last week. We're good for the month. <laughs> Um, so she is so interested in the above ground world that the, the sea queen does allow all of her granddaughters after they're 15 to go up and sit on rocks at night where they can't be seen by humans, but kind of observe humans and the, um, above water world. Yeah. So little mermaid has to wait until her 15th birthday and she's finally allowed to go above shore and she gets up there one night and there's a ship passing by and she watches the ship and she sees a beautiful young man celebrating his 16th birthday. She figures out that he's the prince and they're all reveling for his birthday and she's fascinated. She's never seen dancing before. Uh She's never seen a party. They blow up fireworks and she was a little nervous for a minute there like what the hell is happening like fire in the sky. Well, then a storm does come, and they are shipwrecked, just like in the movie, Mm -hmm. and she does pull him from the waves, because he's the only one that really got knocked out, where all the rest were kind of floating away to the nearby shore, but he was knocked out, so she does save him, just like in the movie, and leave him on the shore, make sure he's okay, but then when the people are coming back to find their prince, she scampers back into the ocean, so then she spends some time just dreaming, and she's... She knows she's in love with him, and she would love to be with him. So she goes to ask her grandmother, oh, is there any possible way that uh, my love could be fulfilled? Uh-huh. And the grandmother tells her, I'm sorry, no. Your tail, though beautiful under the sea, is thought of as ugly above the ground, and no. you'll never be accepted by the prince. And then she also lets the mermaid in on the fact that humans are different than people. people live for about 300 years, and when they die, their bodies just become foam. And she explained that on land, humans live a much shorter life, but when they die, their souls live on immortally. So you can tell this was written by a person, and they're making out for yeah. people like to be a little better. <laughs> um, so Ariel's like, well, I love him, and I want to be immortal. Like, can I be human and be with him? And the grandmother says, oh, there's just really no way for that to happen. Sorry. Then it comes time for uh, just a grand ball under the sea being hosted by the Sea King. And Ariel has to attend and she has to sing. Now she makes it. She doesn't go traipsing through a shipwreck and get chased by um, a shark like in the movie. <laughs> she goes to the party and she does sing. And everyone loves the little sea princess, the little mermaid. But she's just so sad. Like having fun doesn't feel right. So yeah. She does slink away in the middle of the party and realize I have to be with my love and decides to go to the Sea Witch to see what sort of magic the Sea Witch can do for her. So you know how in the movie those eels, Flotsam and Jetsam, are like, they actually get sent by Ursula, who's the most fabulous Disney villain, I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mother Gothel's scary. Ursula is fabulous. Fabulous. She also, in the movie, in the Disney movie, Ursula has this vendetta against King Triton because she believes that she's the rightful um, ruler of the sea, and so she wants to get at him. And remember, King Triton loves Ariel the most, so she's got a plan that she needs to get Ariel to get back at Triton. Because they're brother and sister, right? I believe that is true in the movie, yes. And I think in some versions of The Little Mermaid that is also true, but... Not in the Hans Christian Andersen version that I listened to. That was not mentioned. 
the sea witch essentially is just out for herself. Sure. So Ariel does not get summoned by Flotsam and Jetsam, but it's a really interesting passage how she has to travel through all these whirlpools of foam to get into the sea witch's lair. So she gets down there and she does see these like foam souls on the uh-huh. bottom as she's entering like in the movie. But then she talks to the sea witch and says, I want to, you know, be a human and be in love with my man. And the sea witch says, oh, that's really stupid, but I can do it for you. She says, I will give you this, like, magic potion that once you get up on land, you'll drink it, and your tail will split apart into feet. You will feel it, and it will be horrible. It'll hurt like shit. (laughs) Um, you ain't gonna walk so great for a while because you don't even know how to. So good luck with that. Yeah. But you can be up there. And then she makes another declaration. She says, "I will give you this magic, but part of it is that he has to, the apple of your eye has to fall in love with you. And if he does, and like marries you and commits his true heart to yours, you will become human and you will live like a human, die like a human, and have an immortal soul." If he marries somebody else and his true heart is given to them, I think she means virginity, (laughs) (laughs) you will die at sunrise the next day and become foam. Like, you're done. And she says, you can't be put together as a mermaid again. Once you're human, that's it for you, Uh. sis. So, Ar- uh, Ar- sorry, she's not Ariel. She's the little mermaid in the story. That's okay. The little mermaid takes the bait, takes the potion, and also right before she's about to get the potion, the sea witch says, by the way, yeah. just like in the movie, I need some payment. Um, you have the most beautiful voice in the kingdom, and I like that piece. Uh-huh. But instead of trapping her voice in a beautiful shell necklace, she cuts off the, the mermaid's tongue. So, oh, shit. So we're going dark. We're going dark oh, now. Fuck. So. So the, she cuts off the mermaid's tongue. I'm not sure how that gives the voice to Earth, uh, the sea witch. Maybe she just wants to destroy the voice. Probably. Just doesn't like nice things. So anyway, Eric, uh, the little mermaid okay. goes up to the beach, drinks the potion that fucking hurts. Can't even scream out about it. Yeah. Um, the prince stumbles upon her on the beach, just like in the movie, and is like, oh, wow, you're beautiful. You look so much like this young like woman that saved me from a shipwreck who I'm in love with and I need to marry, but I can't find her. I think she lives in that temple down the way, and that's why she can't come out and marry me. But you look so much like her. Wow, the gods must have sent me like a replacement to look at in the meantime till I find her. Oh, so yes, he takes her back to the castle, introduces her to everybody. She's like, ow, 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 <laughs> ow, 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 Every step she takes, because she's healing from just having split her legs oh, apart, cool. you know? And then... She's in the castle, and he, just like in the movie, like, there's a kiss the girl moment. Like, he's falling in love with her, and he even says to her, wow, if you were that other girl, I'd totally marry you. But you're just not, and I'm waiting for the girl. Then the prince gets summoned to the next kingdom over, because the next king over has a beautiful daughter, and he would like for her to marry this prince. So the prince takes um, the Little Mermaid and a bunch of his other entourage. Yeah. And they go over to the next kingdom. And he's telling the Little Mermaid, like, I'm not going to marry her. Then he lays eyes on her. And she's fucking hot. Nice. She's a dime. So, <laughs> she so is a dime piece. He changes his mind. He forgets about the Little Mermaid and his woman from the temple. I'm going to marry that piece of ass. Yeah. So he, you know, commits to marry the princess, and the little mermaid realizes she's going to die. But she loves him so much that she stays for the merriment of the wedding. She serves as a bridesmaid in the wedding, and it takes part in all the merriment, and she dances, and just knows this is her last night, because she will die when the sun rises. So everyone goes to bed. The prince and his new bride go to bed. Mm -hmm. And she's just sitting up on deck like, oh, these are the last few hours of my life. Then she hears some commotion down below. Uh And her sisters, her five older sisters, rise up out of the water and they're all bald. We have sold our hair to the sea witch for this magical knife. And this magical knife, if you kill the prince and kill your love, you can return as a mermaid. Come back down here. Live out your 300 years. All goodsies. So the little mermaid takes the knife from her sisters And she goes into the prince's room and sees the prince and his new bride sleeping and thinks about it. Ultimately, she kisses the prince on the forehead, kisses the bride, walks back out and throws a knife into the ocean and can't kill her love. So she's going to take death. 
over killing him. Oh, oh my God. It's so sad. And then, though, so then, the sunrise comes, and she, like, turns into foam, and she falls over the side of the ship into the ocean, and she's, like, floating down below, and then all of a sudden feels her, like, chemicals change yeah. and she floats back up and floats in the air and she realizes she's like this beautiful ethereal thing and there's other things like her around and she says what is this what's happening and she hears someone tell her we're the daughters of the air Aww. we are ethereal beings and we live 300 years and our purpose is to bring the warm sea breezes over the land and if an area is too cold we bring the warmth to protect the humans and protect the earth and protect the trees and all of the things that the little mermaid loved when she was under the ocean so and then the blessing the good part Uh of being a daughter of the air is after your 300 years you will become immortal and you your soul will rise up to heaven and that they watched her do this good deed of sacrificing herself for her love that they chose her to join them. So she will spend her 300 years and then be immortal forever. And that is the beautiful, tragic story of The Little Mermaid. That's really sweet. Right? So, I mean, the movie really takes a left after basically, like, kind of all the same stuff happens, right? He kisses the girl. He loves Ariel. But he's waiting for... Uh, or he doesn't kiss the girl because he he's not. supposed to kiss her. He doesn't have to necessarily marry her. Yeah. Like, that's the ultimate goal. Sure. Um, you know, obviously in the movie he gets tricked by the sea witch with the voice because he hears the singing voice and he thinks it's Vanessa. Vanessa, who is what an eighties name, right? Though, <laughs> Just so um, funny. and then like there's the then he finally figures it out because someone breaks or it's, oh Sebastian yes breaks the necklace. Eric figures it out. They drive a fucking ship through the middle of big, Ursula, big <laughs> Ursula, Pillsbury. <laughs> Pillsbury boy Ursula and like they kill the sea witch then um, Ariel's Triton sacrifices Ariel who he just saved yeah turns her back into a human which evidently he could have done that all along and not destroy her shit in her grotto (laughs) Um, and she gets to live happily ever after but will never see her father or sisters again so I'm not sure which ending is really better I don't know I mean she can't be a mermaid again, but can her dad and, like, sisters come to the surface and be like, hey, girl. I guess if he allows them, if he's allowing that now. Yeah, because if you think about it, at the end, when her and Eric go off in the ship, they're, like, also in, like, bye, bye, bye. That's right. They do wise up and wait. Yeah. I mean, but you can't go to Thanksgiving, like, under the sea or <laughs> vice <Thanksgiving>. versa. <laughs> Yeah, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is because of a very specific event. I don't think they had that under the sea. Christmas? <laughs> Did Christ Christmas. come under the sea? Probably. Okay, great. He turned their water into wine. <laughs> they love him. Christmas they love Day. him. Um, okay. That was so good. That's so know. beautiful. I really kind of want to listen to it again. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's some parts that are like, you know, hard, dark, yeah. but it's beautiful. Well, you know what? Speaking of two of the movies that we talked about and stories, Tangled and The Little Mermaid, there is a fan theory floating around in the Disney animation universe. That's right. So we're not going to tell you any more grim no, stories. No, we're going to go a little later. We're going to wrap up and tell some, like, fun time Disney conspiracy theories. Yeah. So um, this is actually also on the um, Disney Origin Stories podcast. Mm-hmm. And it was called Supplemental Number 3, The Tangled, Frozen, Little Mermaid Theory. And it came from a HuffPost article. I think it was even HuffPost Live, so it was like a live video. Uh-huh. They this. had like a TV internet thing. Yeah. yeah. Do they still have that? No, but remember I listened to a podcast and um, the original host of that was on Juicy Scoop. Oh, Juicy Scoop is what oh, I listened yeah. to. Uh, Christopher somebody. And he talked to Heather about that time. Got it. But he was on like, they had an internet streaming television show. Yeah. I think I used to watch it during like what, lunch break or something. You Just probably like, would. <laughs> you love the HuffPo. I do. So anyway, the theory is... That in Frozen, Anna and Elsa's parents are hopping on a ship because they're headed to see Flynn and Rapunzel get married. On the way there, they hit a storm. Their ship wrecks. Theory one is that they die in that shipwreck. And this is the shipwreck Ariel is exploring at the beginning of The Little Mermaid. So are these three movies intertwined? Right. And so... Like I said, that's what the whole HuffPost article is. But from this guy, no. <laughs> but it's too bad. And we it do is. have to point out that if you watch Frozen very, very carefully, mm-hmm. which is obviously about 18 years in the future from when Rapunzel and Flynn would have gotten married if this story is true. Yes. If you look very closely, mm-hmm. when 
Queen Elsa is being coronated and all of these, you know, dignitaries are floating in, you see Rapunzel and Flynn, mm-hmm. who are now a prince and princess, maybe even the king and queen of her yeah. parents have passed, attending Elsa's coronation. Yes. And the animators admit that. Yeah, and they do say that 100% that Elsa's coronation is something that Flynn and Rapunzel would go to. Right. However, they are not attending because, oh, sorry, your parents died on the way to our wedding. Which is what the theory is of why they are attending. Yeah, like why did it's never explained in Frozen why mom and dad go on this voyage and leave yes, the girls behind. Exactly. Another theory is that on that voyage they are they have a baby son that they are taking with them when the ship wrecks. Long story short, Tarzan. And then the theory continues that Jane mm-hmm. in Tarzan is actually Belle's granddaughter. I don't know how that theory and conspiracy theory started. No clue. But so this guy from the HuffPost says, you know, due to the architecture and the style of dress in Rapunzel, I believe that they are in Germany. And Germany isn't far away from Arendelle, which we know is in Norway. And the Little Mermaid is based from Denmark. Denmark. So, of course, all of this Mm -hmm. makes total sense and is a really great start for a conspiracy theory. For sure. However, the animators have said, well, Rapunzel lives in Corona, and that doesn't live anywhere. Like, that's yeah, that's Corona. It's, it's fake. But it's it, fake. But they did make it look awful German. They did. Um, but not German. <laughs> but, but it's still not. And so the guy says, you know, if you're going to go off of the movie and say that you feel like Rapunzel is in Germany, well, then let's look at The Little Mermaid. Her dad is Triton, the son of Poseidon. Her cousin is Hercules. All of these things lead her up to be mythology. She's probably off of the coast of Liberia (laughs) and nowhere near a shipwreck that would happen. So, like I said, it was really interesting. And also, if you watch it, the movie, I think they're in the Caribbean. Sebastian is very Jamaican. So, I mean, like, what are we talking about? But then again, Prince Eric's castle is very Spanish in style. Style. It was really funny just to hear all of the conspiracy theories and how the host was just so adamant about that. If the animators tell you it's an Arendelle, it's an Arendelle. If they tell you that this movie is in Corona, it's Corona. It's nothing else. Stop trying to, like, read into it. It doesn't stop making conspiracy theories fun. Oh, they're the greatest. So much fun. So funny. I love talking about all of those. Um, Before we do wrap it up, I want to offer up a documentary for yeah. a lot of people to watch. It's called Waking Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah. So Stunning. like we mentioned, we did talk about a lot of different fairy tales and Disney animation from the 50s, 80s, aughts. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's really great. It's all about how Disney animation kind of had a dark period. We've got like Black Cauldron. Uh-huh. Like I mean, the Aristocats. Aristocats. Like, like The Rescuers. Not necessarily sad movies, but... The style of animation wasn't very pop and fun. And it wasn't blockbuster hits. And how it really was with The Little Mermaid in the late 80s, early 90s, everything turned. And that's when they kind of had that joke of, like, we awoke Sleeping Beauty, we did it again, we, you know, lightning struck twice. And it's just so cool to see some of your favorite movies and how they made them. Right, because if you think about those movies after they, quote, woke Sleeping Beauty, Beauty, it's The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, like our more modern classics. Aladdin, yeah. And I mean, I think the only one that was like not so great in there might have been Brother Bear. (laughs) Anyone ever seen that movie? (laughs) Yeah. So. Okay. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I mean, I know we've been doing a lot of like very contemporary stuff and that was super not, but it was such an interesting conversation that, you know, we went down a rabbit hole one day of like Googling Grimm's fairy tales and we thought we'd have that combo for you. So thanks for either bearing with us or super enjoying that. (laughs) (laughs) We figured if we were interested, you might be too. Let's do some quick pop-ups. Yeah. So And then wrap it all up. Yeah. So I just want to touch base back on the multi-level marketing conversation we had a couple weeks ago. We yeah, yeah, really yeah. went deep on a new podcast on Stitcher called The Dream. Yes. And it Great is a podcast. dream of a podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, we've been talking. Yes. Anyway, um, episode five from The Dream is called Do You Party? <laughs> I'm so excited because I'm not. I'm behind on the dream. So tell me so all about good. episode five. It's all about the evolution of the in-home party with multi-level marketing. Okay, and it really started with a woman back in the 50s or 60s who was selling Tupperware and just started having parties and to get people to come to her house. And by the way, her husband was like an executive at Ford. 
So oh. they were up in Michigan okay. and very well off. I've been there. And so to <laughs> you may have been to Michigan once or twice. So to get women to come to the parties and get them to buy things and do raffles, she would raffle off parts of her wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Like you could get her like hundred dollar brooch. Oh, okay. I mean, you were winning things, and so everybody wanted to come. And she was selling more Tupperware than like Tupperware was selling on their own. And it was really funny because Tupperware is based here in Orlando, which was a new fun fact they learned recently. Uh-huh. And they were saying how back in the day, if you were interested in selling Tupperware, you could send a letter to Tupperware, Orlando, Florida, and it would get there. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so it really goes through the evolution of the party. And what I thought was the most interesting is that the host goes along with one of her friends from high school who is quite high up in the 31 mm-hmm. world of multi-level marketing. It's a very faith-based Bags, lunchboxes, organization. Mom shit. Mom stuff. I think I have a lunchbox of it, but I just needed a lunchbox. And so goes to a recruitment party with her and is allowed to record it. Ooh. And the conversations you hear and how they talk about 31 and just, it's so fascinating because this girl really, you know, does make a lot of money and hosts parties and all of this stuff. And she asks her, like, what does it cost to host a party? She's like, oh, it's absolutely free. So it's not. It's not. Though. You have to put a crudite. Exactly. So it really deep dive, deep dives into that, especially if you've been to a party or you've hosted a party or anything in regards to parties and multi-level marketing. This episode is a must listen. Oh, I can't wait. It's on my yeah. list tomorrow. You're going to like it. Cool. You're going to like the way you look. Sweet. I checked out a new podcast today that I want to tell everybody about because I really liked it. Yeah. It's called V Single, <laughs> as in very single, but oh, they're yeah. super cool, so they abbreviated the V. V Single. Um, and it's hosted by uh, Allison and Alexandra. It reminds me a lot of a podcast I've brought up on this show, um, This Is Why You're Single. But those girls are like so like cute and sweet, where Allison and Alexandra are maybe a little more raunchy. Like us? Uh, yeah, kind of like us. When the mics are off. Um, Alexandra is actually the owner of the Instagram handle that I follow and is super like popular by Felipe. Where she basically calls love. out fuckboys. Yes. On her Instagram. It's so good. And she just released a book too. So, I mean, they're not dating experts by any means, but there are a couple of girls who, who are dating a lot. Well, right. Who are out there dating and like bitching about the trials and tribulations yeah. of it on this podcast, V Single. So I really loved listening to them and their voices. But this week's episode, they had a guest, and he's the co-founder of TheOnion.com. Awesome. Uh, His name is, I don't have my notes, Chris Dickers. Okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Scott Dickers. Okay. Scott Dickers. And he just wrote a new book, so he's kind of on there promoting, uh, shit, I need my notes for this one. Basically, it's trolling Elon Musk. Oh, um, awesome. So look that up. Perfect. Uh, I said, this is my future. I made it. It's mine. So that's, like, <laughs> that's the title of it or something by not Elon Musk. It's very funny. I'm oh, sorry I'm butchering it, but Google it. Um, his taking on like modern romance was super interesting. He talked about how he is now single but has been married twice in his life, and he was both times in what he called non-traditional marriages, as in like he never had a wedding. He just like... The, you know, he and his wife got married and that they kind of led their own lives. They seemed, sounded like, he didn't come out and say, but sounded like they were very polyamorous uh-huh. and uh, non-traditional marriages, but ev- eventually neither of them worked out. Got it. And he talked about how he's done, like read, not done, but read studies on how men's libido changes when they're single versus when they're coupled up. Really? Uh-huh. And how basically when they know that they should or have to only have sex with one woman their libido can really kind of delinquish, like, just why sex then? Like, boring. <gasps> no way. But a single man has a much higher libido because I can do what I want. I can stick it wherever I feel. Well, Yay. you really can't stick it wherever you feel. There's a whole movement about that even called Me Too. <laughs> I can stick it wherever she consensually allows me to. There it is. There, there it go. is. Um, but then Please how, be PC when you come to this mic. <laughs> like, how he's in many relationships, how he does not believe in monogamy anymore and tells women straight up, you know, not into that. How he said, you know, he he loves online dating. He loves the kind of the concept of shopping for people who have already self-eliminated out. If you've checked all the right boxes, uh, you know, that you can just kind of pre-select like yep. out, of the, out of the case of one that's pretty close to what you want. Sure. And how... He is on Tinder and some of those 
and he, you know, he's, go ahead and he's Scott Dickers on there with his profile, but he's on several fetish sites where he meets people pretty often, and he's, like, kind of hides who he is because he's a semi-public figure, and talks about how he doesn't date. He has relationships, and he has people come over to his house, and he's like, we talk, we get to know each other, we do what we do. He's like, I don't take anybody on a date, I don't want to go to dinner, I don't want to meet your family, I don't want to do any of that shit. And if you're in for it, great. If you're not, check you later. And he's like, I'm really happy doing this. And that's, you know, I don't like this. You need to be in the monogamy box society that, you know, we're in. If that works for people, fine. He's like, I'm just all about people doing them. Yeah. So it was a really interesting episode. And I actually think it's a podcast I'm going to put in my pretty solid weekly rotation. Sounds like it. Because like I said, the host's voice, I just so enjoyed very much. Awesome. And I love that Instagram page by Felipe. Oh, She's so really good. funny. So um, V single, check it out. It's pretty awesome. good. They have a great logo too. Yay, very nice. Well, Amy, I think we are V done with this episode. We're of V podcast over Rewind. time. For we sure. are a little bit over time. Before we go, guys, don't forget rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google. All Spotify. Where have you got us? We're thirsty. Feed us. So thirsty. Um, don't make us go find a sea witch to cut off our legs just to get a sponsored ad, guys. Don't make me get on a fetish site just so <laughs> I can get more rates, reviews, and subscriptions. <laughs> well, before Amy does that, why don't we say goodbye? We will see all of you guys next week for a really awesome special episode. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> Should we say? Yeah. It's our birthday. It's our birthday. birthday. We are we're so turning excited. one. And year, we are accepting gifts. We are. A year ago, we were like, we should do a podcast. Uh-huh. And then we did. And we sure did. Dreams and come true. We only have 46 episodes, so obviously we took some vacation this Little year. A vacay here and there. But thank you guys for being on this one-year ride with us. We'll see you next week. But do not forget, before next week comes, to be, be kind and rewind. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. It's almost our birthday.